Welcome, everybody, to Then Again Music Podcast. This is the show in which we look back on music released on a month-by-month basis, focusing specifically really on albums. I'm your host, Mark, a.k.a. Mad Marcus. With me, as always, is Brandon, a.k.a. Quiet Brandon. What's up, Quiet Brandon? What's up? There we go. I, I was trying to come up with a good line, but couldn't get there in time. Yeah, you you were good. It's it was it was still lovely, man. Um, we are still in quarantine. It's been a long time. I don't even remember. Maybe I, I think seven weeks for me now. This is I'm coming up on. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm like halfway through my seventh week. Yeah, I don't remember well i might if i looked at a calendar but yeah yeah sometime mid-march it's been a long time yeah we're dealing with that with that covid that rona as Mm -hmm. they say but we're gonna get through it and we're we're all safe and we're hoping everyone listening to us is staying safe staying home not spread the disease so be smart be cool listen to podcasts and let's get into it, buddy. Um, today we are talking about March of 2010. So um, pretty interesting month, I think, for music um, in a lot of different ways. And the way that it gets uh, started here on the show, we talk about the number one songs on the Billboard charts. Um, neither Brandon nor myself are super big radio listeners. Um, so it kind of helps ground it, ground us into like sort of what the general zeitgeist was at the moment. And I'm not going to lie, these songs um, like weren't really a big part of my life. I So the first one was Black Eyed Peas, I'm a B. I have a complicated relationship with Black Eyed Peas. Um, we'll definitely talk about it at another point in time. Um, this is late period Peas as their friends call it, off of the E-N-D, or the end. Um, And uh, it's kind of a techno rap pop song. Now, like the Kesha uh, number one single that preceded this, I think this is pretty indicative of where the sound of pop music was going. And um, I actually do kind of credit the Black Eyed Peas for sort of... um, foreshadowing or maybe even setting the trend for the kind of um, electronic rap crossover um, that really kind of dominated to some degree the 2010s pop sound. So they were definitely ahead of the curve. Um, I like the second half of this song. Like this song's okay. I don't, you know, I I, I get a lot of guilty pleasure out of like a Fergalicious um, or Let's Get Retarded which I'm going to say because that's the name of the original version and the one, frankly, I still prefer to sing. Um, Those songs I think are example of like dumb and fun ways. Um, And this one is definitely kind of dumb in a fun way, but um, it's, it's okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't have super strong feelings on this one. It's fine. What what do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I thought it went from annoying to halfway to halfway. Okay. As it went on. So Halfway to Halfway Okay is pretty good praise for me for the Black Eyed Peas. 
Fair enough, man. Fair enough. That's all I got. Yeah. It, it like it's one of those songs that kind of changes up about halfway through or towards the end and the, the end part's definitely more fun. Um so that was number one for part of the month. And then the second number one single in March 2010 was called Break Your Heart, Teo Cruz featuring Ludacris. Um I think Ludacris has a strong case, Brandon, for the greatest guest rapper of all time. In terms of dudes whose features have just crushed and and also like if you need like if you're putting out a single and you need a rap verse, Ludacris will be the guy that brings the really good rap verse to your single for you. And he's kind of done that throughout his career. And I think he's it's almost to the point where you could cite his guest verses um, as being maybe among his most iconic. Certainly, yeah, is, um, you know, an iconic guest rap verse. Um, he's got plenty of other examples. But I'm going to be honest. Um, I, th- I listened to the song, you know, a few times for the podcast. I, I, st- I can't remember it. I still can't remember one thing about the song. I have no idea. I don't remember it at all from the radio at the time. And even now having listened to it, it's, it's like totally unmemorable to me. Like, I guess that's good. Cause I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a strong negative feeling about it, but it just, I honestly don't remember anything about the song. What, what were, what were your thoughts, Brandon? Yeah, I just wrote down my thoughts while I was listening to it, so I would remember them, I guess. But <clears throat> my only thoughts were that it seemed like a pretty generic song. But even with Ludacris on there, but he's always enjoyable. Well, mostly enjoyable. Mostly enjoyable. I was about to say that's a good transition right now. Um because Ludacris was one of the artists who released an album in March of 2010. And this was his um, Battle of the Sexes album. So, um, Brandon, person on a personal note, I remember, because you're more of a punk rock guy and I'm more of a, um, of a rap guy. And I remember you telling me when I, when I think you were maybe just starting to dabble in hip-hop, I don't want to speak for you, but... Anyway, I remember you specifically citing Ludacris as being like one of your dudes that you were getting into. And I mean, he's, he has done a lot of great stuff. Um, another thing I really liked about Ludacris, did you see the news story from a couple of years ago about how I almost feel bad putting him on blast for this because he clearly doesn't want to be put on blast, but he, there were like all, like someone investigated him buying groceries for a bunch of people at Whole Foods. Like there were a bunch of like this dude would periodically see on Twitter that someone posted up, Oh, Ludacris bought my groceries. And then he just, I think did a Twitter search of Ludacris and groceries and Whole Foods. <laughs> and there was like at least a dozen cases of people being like Ludacris was behind me in line and he just bought my groceries. Like Ludacris just seems like a good dude. He's delightful in fast and furious movies. Um, this album was not super great for me, that being said. Um, I definitely listened to more, I'm more like chicken and beer era, um, you know, early stuff, um, or earlier stuff. Um, 
I like that there's a concept with this and I like that um, Battle of the Sexes, he gives a lot of time to female rappers on here and kind of gets into, um, you know, I think in a respectful way somewhat. I mean, there's some dirty songs, obviously, but um, it's not it's not like misogynistic. It's it, it kind of goes back and forth. Um, but that being said, it just kind of also felt a little overwhelming and uninspired by ludicrous standards. Um, it was okay. Um, my chick bad's kind of fun. Um, and the remix has got a, a, a bunch of people on it, which was another fun remix, but I think in general, um, this isn't one of his best efforts. What did you think? Yeah. Um, this is actually the first ludicrous album that after I got into them that I didn't get when it came out. Um, and there were, could be a lot of factors to that, like my shifting tastes and getting kind of overwhelmed by all this other great stuff that was coming out at the time and needing to prioritize. But um, so I, and I was at the time I wasn't even really that interested in it. Um, just because I, I don't know. Like the concept seems like it could be interesting theoretically, but the execution of stuff like that generally isn't that interesting to me. Um, but it was fun to listen to as Ludacris always is. Um, it does have more of a focus on the sex jams, which in general is not the Ludacris lane I'm into. I like more of his goofy stuff or some of his political stuff. Or his angry stuff. Yes, his angry stuff. Um, So I I will say I very much look forward to discussing his previous albums as the podcast goes on over the next decade or so. For sure. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about this one, though. Yeah, for sure. We we got a lot of love for Ludacris on Then Again, and we'll we'll get more into his other stuff. But we don't like to spend a ton of time on things that we're so not not as into. So you got the shout outs for your guest verses, and you had a number one hit and another album. So Ludo was still still going strong in 2010, and God bless him. Um, the next uh, album we're going to talk about, keep it in the rap lane. Um, you know, last month, Brandon, February 2010, you kind of shocked me and you picked uh, Freeway and Jake One as one of your top three albums of the month. That was, a, I was like, oh shit, that was an unexpected choice, um, but certainly appropriate. Um, and then much to my surprise, there was another Freeway album that was released in March of 2010, this time a collaboration with Beanie Siegel entitled The Rock Boys. Now, rep and hip-hop fans know that these two guys were signed as kind of the first po- first wave of post-Jay-Z success signees to Rockefeller in the early 2000s. Um, early Kanye had beats on, on both um, artists' uh, early projects. Um, and they're both really great kind of um, big voice, talented technical rappers but I'd never even heard of this record until I kind of did some research for this month's albums. And this was a very delightful surprise for me, Brandon. I, I, um, I really enjoyed this. Um, there's a song with, um, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the Petey Crack song maybe. 
um, just fire. Um, there's a Wale jam on here that I uh, enjoyed quite a bit. Um, there's a couple shots at Jay-Z a little bit, I suppose, but, um, you know, I think in general, they both kind of moved, just moved on in their careers. Neither of them, you know, really kind of maybe had uh, a ton of success, but I think they certainly had, um, you know, good viable careers. And um, this was some good kind of like, I, I think they found their lane more in the underground and this felt more in that vein and I thoroughly enjoyed it. What'd you think? Yeah, this was enough. I also had no idea this existed. Um, uh, and I don't really like, I enjoyed it. Um, it was, uh, enjoyable. I like to use the word enjoy. I, had a good time with it. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a whole lot of insight here. Um, I mostly enjoy the, I just keep using that word. I mostly into the freeway parts. Um, and I, I will also say that a lot of my um, freeway Jake one love was kind of the combination of those two. Um, but Beanie Siegel was also really good. I've never really dug into his stuff personally so it was um yeah good <laughs> that's about all i got it's a good album it's um yeah. you know it's it's kind of it's one of those records that's like two dudes that have good chemistry having fun on a pretty low stakes album and I think that also applies to the next record we're going to discuss, um, Woo Massacre. So this was the team up just specifically of Raekwon, Method Man, and Ghostface of uh, obviously the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, there's there's some other guys on there as well from Woo, but um, I don't know. They kind of just decided to do, you know, their own thing a little bit. Um, it's it was it's a This is another one where it's kind of lower stakes, but definitely enjoyable they they serve up some sequels to their old stuff um the album kicks off with criminology 2.5 which is um i guess another sequel or sort of a different flip on criminology half the sequel. classic yeah exactly another half sequel um Met first chef 2 which is um the direct sequel i suppose <laughs> to the to cal standout meth verse chef um and uh yeah it's you know it's cool there's it's 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 a good record again you know wu-tang dudes having fun rapping um for me i just man method man i just am constantly like even after all these years just that dude is just such an incredible mc to me i think he really has a voice and the lyrics he has funny punchlines. like he's just such a great talented rapper and Ghostface and Raekwon obviously are as well. They're a little more um, kind of, I don't know, I'm not sure how I would describe their styles. I guess there's a little hard-boiledness to them, whereas Method Man is more the comedic actor, I suppose, um, or leading man type, you know, and they're more like the crazy friend or whatever. But they both, they play their parts really well. They obviously have a ton of chemistry between the two of them. So um, this is another fun album. It's, I, you know, I actually think it's even a little higher up than some of their other later period woo stuff. 
um, but certainly not also essential in a lot of ways. Um, that's my take. What, what were your thoughts, Brandon? Um, yeah, this was one, <clears throat> I got it when it came out. Um, it's like, at least at the time, and it might still be my three favorite Wu-Tang members um, mm. getting together. Um, it's got a lot of what I like about this era of all of them. Um, I also just think this album in particular was nice and concise. So it's, it's like abbreviated in that it's just a few of the guys from Wu-Tang Clan. It's also like half an hour long um, and a bunch of two minute songs. It's, which is really nice because a lot of these guys are so prolific. Um, they have lots of sprawling albums and it's good to be able to just like breeze through one like that. Um, just makes it almost like their, well, I don't, I guess I'll say it's like their punk album, even though it's not really. Oh, shit. Just in that, you know, short, quick. I, I, I love that point. Yep, I agree. Agree strongly. It, that's the other thing that's nice. This album doesn't overstay its welcome. It's just like you have fun with it and then you're, you're on to the next thing. Especially with a, something like this where we're having to listen to lots of stuff. To, tons to of albums. About, so. Yeah, tons yeah. of albums came out this month. So this is a pretty, actually, even what we're getting into is a pretty abbreviated list. We, we had some others we, do, we didn't, didn't make it to because there's so much stuff. So, um, so yeah, Woo Massacre, check it out. It's fun. Um, so, you know, again, we were sort of referring to those albums as being you know, um, fun albums that were sort of inconsequential in the larger scheme of things. The next album we're going to talk about for me is the complete opposite of inconsequential. It is of enormous magnitude and consequence. I feel as though its footprint was felt throughout the entire decade even. Yeah, I said it. Um, (laughs) It's one of those albums that even at the time, it felt like this is setting a precedent that other artists are going to follow. And I think in a lot of respects, they did. I'm also extremely biased towards this band. And I think this is the third, um, this is their third album. And I think it, it, it's the capper of a trilogy of masterpieces. Again, high praise. The band I'm talking about is Gorillaz. And the album I'm speaking of is Plastic Beach. This was, uh, I guess, for those if you don't know, Gorillaz uh, is a project that it's funny because here in the states, like they're much, much bigger than Blur, um, and Blur had like a couple sort of singles, and song number two was was a genuine hit, but like they weren't really like a big thing in the states. Um, in the UK, they were a huge band, so I think in the UK, Gorillaz is kind of like an offshoot of blur i think here in the states and i i just speaking for myself gorillas is what got me into blur like not the other way around i mean i knew like i said the singles but um i didn't really go back and actually listen to their catalog of music until i got into gorillas and the reason i got into gorillas is because their first album as i said the first of a trilogy of masterpieces produced by dan the automator nakamura um we've talked about him or maybe we haven't, I don't know. We will be talking about him on the 2000 podcast because that was kind of peak Dan the Automator era. 
around there. His second album uh, was produced by Danger Mouse, um, who, uh, stay tuned, we'll just say that, uh, another iconic producer. And it was really with their third album that I think Damon Albarn kind of fully took control of the project, at least musically, on his own. Um, but he kind of kept the same aesthetic in terms of a lot of guests, um, a major hip hop influence on most of the songs and um, a sense of adventure and daring do even, I would say, um, as far as collaborators and different people. I mean, this album features um, everyone from Snoop Dogg, De La Soul, Most Def on the hip hop side to legends like Lou Reed, Marky e. Smith, um, Paul Simonon from The Clash. Um, there's actually like basically almost a Clash reunion one of these songs. So um, the thing about this record that really st stood out to me at the time as someone who was a huge fan of their first two going into it um, was first of all, how different it does sound sonically from the other two. Um, it's almost entirely synthesized type album. I mean, there's some, it's orchestral intro, obviously tips its hat towards the, um, instrumentation on that. But, um, there's just a lot more synthesizers, a lot less samples or kind of like guitar, uh, type stuff on this record compared to their first two. Um, and I really felt like this set, as I said, a precedent for, um, two thousands music that was very, I think there was like a lot of 2000, I'm sorry, 2010s artists who were very synthesizer driven. Um, and really like since kind of almost became like, you had to have a synthesizer player in your band in the 2010s if you start a new band, like it, it, it became a very big thing. Um, this record also introduced um, a few different artists for me personally that would go on to be among my favorites of the decade, Little Dragon, um, chief among them, two appearances on here. Um, and um, I think, let me, let me just confirm, but yeah, I believe um, late period Bobby Womack is fantastic as well. And he, uh, he turns up on here. Um, I guess they didn't really work with her yet, but um, I'm, her name's blanking on me right now. I'm having a total stunner moment but anyway other people too that they worked with later um but not on this album anyway sorry that was a total random aside i'm kind of running out of things to say here um this is another as i said masterpiece to me um a real example of the pan genre style of music that we would see as i said throughout the decade um along with some um not entirely subtle, but still really well done social commentary in terms of con uh, consumerism and environmentalism. Love this record. Love Gorillaz. Love Damon Albarn. Brandon, are you with me? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, and this one might actually be my favorite of the Gorillaz albums. Um, I think that's almost entirely for the production and the instrumental aspects of it. 
it's just so cohesive and it has such a groove going through the whole thing. Um, and I, I think if you'd asked me my favorite Gorillaz album before I re-listened to this one, I would have, I don't know, I don't know if I would have picked this one, but um, it's got pretty much everything I like about them other than the fact that it's missing Dell, of course, is always a negative. But beyond that, um, yeah, it's also telling that he didn't need a big name producer to work through it because he because Damon Albarn just had it figured out at that point um I I mean I'd like to think that he probably had influence by um Automator and Danger Mouse going into it because he'd worked with them but um at that point he like the sound is just so good not that I don't think he'd be a professional but um yeah, it's, you said a lot about it, and I don't have a lot to add, just that it's a really good cohesive statement and really catchy. Yeah, and it's... I think that's all. Yeah, there's, there's just... Um, well, we'll talk more about specific songs, I think, a little bit later, but um, yeah, there's just some really great songwriting, really catchy, just stick in your cross songs on here um so let's move on to the next record here and and this one is sort of almost directly connected um because it, it was produced by the aforementioned danger mouse his collaboration um with james what's james's last name james mercer james mercer of the shins fame broken bells this is their self-titled debut um I was really big on this album when it came out. I'm still big on it. I, I really enjoy um, most of this album. I think there's kind of a couple songs that are sort of a little more skippable maybe. Um, but in general, I think this is a really fascinating mix of their two sensibilities. I think you can hear Danger Mouse's influence in terms of obviously the production choices, um, some of the bass lines and the, the moody organs that kind of appear. But James uh, Mercer, for me, is a very distinct songwriter. There's a real whimsical quality, I would say, to his sound that is certainly apparent on this album. But also, a he has a very um, kind of ironic point of view on other things as well. And I, I think that's a really delightful mix of whimsy and irony in his, um, in his style. Um, and there's some great songwriting on this album and some really beautiful production. Um, I really, I love Broken Bells still. I thought their second album was great too. I think, I don't know, it felt kind of like there was maybe some, maybe it was just sort of building backlash when this album came out. It sort of seemed like this was kind of looked on as maybe lesser of their parts. Um, I, I don't know what more to say. If you're a fan of The Shins, um, and James Mercer, James Mercer um, and his songwriting um, and Danger Mouse and what he's done throughout his career. I think it's a really interesting amalgamation of the both of them and kind of for me kicked off um, Danger Mouse's decade, which while not as maybe like he had a lot of breakthroughs and a lot of interesting creative 
stuff that he brought to the mainstream via both the Grey album and the first Gorilla or the second Gorillas record. Um, but um, but his influence is lasting, and and he's doing great stuff even you know in 2020, frankly. Um, so or I guess late 2019 or did that did that album with Karen O come out this year? I can't remember now. It's maybe that was last uh, year. I think it was last year. Yeah. But still doing interesting stuff and big fan of both these guys. What did you think about this record, Brendan? Yeah, it's just gorgeous. Um, I think James's voice really works well with um, Danger Mouse's moody production. Um, it, I don't know, it just fits. It's not some complicated thing. Um, and I love a lot of the tracks and I think I like the rest, but for some reason, um, most of the time, I don't always love sitting through the whole thing at once, which is really weird to me. I, I was trying to figure out why. Um, and that's something that ended up pulling this album off my top albums of the year at the last minute. I think we had some discussions about that at the time. Um, I do remember that, yes. But the other factor of that is just um, 2010 has so many exceptional albums that came out um, that we've talked about and will be talking about. Um, but then just last night, I gave it one last listen because I wanted something to say about this. Um, and not that this is a, something to say, but I just thoroughly enjoyed the whole experience. Like, when I was sitting in bed listening to this record. So I don't know. It might just be something that the songs work really well, but you have to be in some specific headspace to be able to consume it and enjoy the whole thing as a whole thing. I think there may be some truth to that. I, I've had a similar experience, actually, I think with Shins in the past where, um, you know, they their individual songs sound great, but maybe by the end, I'm a little, um, just a little exhausted or something. I, so I, I, this sensation is not unfamiliar to me, but, um, but again, it's like the highlights are very high on this album. So, um, big fan props to both those guys. Keep it up. You guys are dope. Um, going to move on to another so we're going to kind of transition to indie stuff now and we're going to talk about a band that had a lot of buzz at the time and it's funny because their signature song so we're going to talk about das racist or das racist i don't know i was thought it was like das because it's like yeah it's like that's racist yeah like that's racist so um they kind of went viral i don't even know again if this was i think it was a term in 2010 but yeah uh combination pizza and taco bell was their big um breakout moment and literally that song consists of them saying like i'm at the pizza hut i'm at the taco bell i'm at the combination pizza and taco bell they say where are you at (laughs) i don't see you where you at they say it in more creative ways than that but like that's literally the entire lyrics of the song and um it's very absurdist and pretty hilarious too actually like revisiting it now these times later um the thing that was funny about that song was i felt like it was like a trojan horse because it's repetitive and stupid and 
Um, actually, these guys are extremely smart with their raps. They name check um, all kinds of intellectual people and um, kind of intellectual stuff. And they're not, they're clearly not like just stupid idiots that were trying to go viral. I think they kind of um, balance that s smart, stupid sensibility that um, is, is sort of a sweet spot. Um, yeah, there's some actually some really fun stuff on this album. Come come back and listening to it. Um, I certainly enjoyed like the uh they have a Billy Joel flip, you ought to know. That's that's quite fun. Um and some other really interesting samples throughout. They do some kind of goofy techno stuff. Um this was a good time. Um a little dated and definitely kind of long. But um it was a fun revisit. What, what, what was your thoughts on this album? Yeah, I mean, this is fun to listen to every time. Um, it had been a long time since I had given this any thought, and but I enjoyed myself when I went through it. I think at times, like, I don't want to call them comedy rap because they have a lot of different things going on, but at their when they're at their peak comedy, I feel like it does remind me of Lonely Island, which is a pretty high praise for comedy rap. Um, and that song, Nutmeg, that uses the ghost-faced beat, um, yep. it was wild because the rapping on it had me, like in the lyrical style, I, had, I was second guessing if it was just a straight cover of the Ghostface song. It's like this sounds like Ghostface rhymes. Wait, is this... yeah, they make different words. And anyway, um, I do agree that it is kind of long. It just keeps going and going. Um, but I should also say I don't want to judge it too harshly on that because it was a mixtape technically, and whatever that means in whatever context, I feel like mixtapes are where you're like. I'm going to just put a whole lot of stuff out there and that's what it was. Yep. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's um we can we can pardon that that particular sin I think vis-a-vis -vis that. And it's really is I think kind of a, like a great showcase of um like you said I think really like they they are pretty much comedy rap. I mean, they're not entirely comedy rap, but they're they're pretty punchline heavy and um they have a lot of like concept type songs and those are those are all fun so fun record check it out um brandon why don't you tell us about the liars liars is that what you said sorry you cut off a little bit yeah liars tell us about liars yeah we're on the internet so during a pandemic Hopefully our sound is stable. Yeah, my bad. Hopefully it sounds good. But um, anyway, um, so I had heard Liars before this album came out, but they were always kind of this inaccessible, super experimental band in my head. Um, but then this was the album where I finally synced up with what they were doing, where it synced up with my sensibilities. Um, so this album very much works for me with all the rock parts they do and the correct amount of weirdness, which I always, for so long, I was like, oh, I just like 
rock that has weirdness in it, but it's proven pretty difficult for me to pin down the right level of that for me. Um, there are only a chosen few bands in that vein that I am into and Liars, particularly on this album, really lined up with that aesthetic for me. Um, then they have slow parts and where they have this, there's this, the vocalist is like, has this kind of deep voice that kind of reminds me of Tunde from TV on the radio. It's like a really beautiful voice. Um, but there's this um, underlining um, disturbing quality to it, like a dread, I said underlining, but I'd also say it hangs over the dread, head, hangs over the whole album and it's just a really effective mood piece. Um, and then there's like times when it gets really crunchy rock, like on the song, um, Scarecrow's on a Killer Slant, where it's just like a gang vocal punk song, but it's like such a violent song about violence and it just makes it that more disturbing. Like originally I was like, the first few times I heard that song, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. They're just kind of, oh, tough guy yelling. And then it just like becomes this whole disturbing thing about violence in our world. And I think it's just a really, the album as a whole is just a really good cohesive dreadful weirdo statement that really lines up with my uh my what's the word the uh just my aesthetic what i like when when i like when i say i like weird stuff so very good album sister world by liars i don't know if i said the title there yeah, they. I. I. I don't know a whole lot about liars. Is where was this at in their discography? Was this early or is this? I feel like they were around since at least the. I have one from two thousand four. I don't have the information in front of me. I feel like they were around for a while before that. They were a band that was always always on my radar, but I'd check it out and it would just wouldn't quite fit with me. It would be too ambient or two whatever and this is the one where it just like just fit for me I guess so I think it's later um and they it's funny to theorize when we're going to be on the internet about like I think they're still around but I think they did something recently where they were reduced by maybe down to one guy I don't remember though, so look it up. Um, Do your own and, damn research. Yeah, and they're all, they're always worth checking out. I'm just saying this one fit me personally, so check out Liars, check out this album, check out the earlier and later stuff as well. Yeah, this this was definitely an interesting album. I I never really heard. I and this is definitely a band that I'd heard of, but I don't think I had ever listened to before this album. So this was actually my first exposure. And the thing that really stood out to me was like they are. This is a really ambitious album. I mean, there's like a as you were alluding to a lot of different styles on this record. Um, there's some really heavy, dark, you know, um, kind of punkish and like anguish stuff. Um, and then there's some sort of 
programming beats type stuff and um just a really interesting mix of different styles but um all kind of sticking together in cohesive in some weird way um to your point about this sort of creating this this consistent mood um i think the other thing that really kind of stood out to me was the way that the even though the album is diverse um there's like a certain mood that comes with it and even the band's name kind of invokes that a little bit where there's this like sense of like self-awareness and like mistrust and and we're like gonna kind of expose you to the darker stuff a little bit you know and and like this sort of attitude that comes with the music um that's that was really compelling um it's definitely not i mean it's not exactly my style per se that i listen to a lot but this was certainly a a really interesting album it almost kind of i felt like um like bands like um death grips and and stuff like that that just kind of like have this um pan genre style um doesn't really matter but we're gonna just have an attitude that comes through no matter what uh music genre we're playing in um it certainly felt like that to me so super cool interesting record and definitely worth checking out so sister world by liars um i was gonna say like speaking of sisters we're gonna the next yeah i don't know um (laughs) we're gonna talk about she and him uh pretty pretty dramatic difference i would say in in sound uh musicality and um basically all other sonic elements from liars um she and him is the duo of the she's definitely more known as an actress i think or i mean it just depends on who you're talking to but zoe dachanel of new girl fame um and m ward who is sort of a longtime staple of i guess the indie folk world um indie slash folk world um they've put out a number of albums together they have a really laid-back chemistry and it's very throwback kind of um i don't know what i don't I feel like it's not necessarily a decade as much as it is kind of just the old fashioned style of songwriting um, that just really feels antiquated. I don't know. Maybe you could get more specific than I can about the era itself that they, that they recall, but um, it's, it's a general throwback kind of easygoing pop stuff that really like, honestly, you could kind of blend in with any old, um sort of older traditional vocal pop i guess would be the genre um it's a really like this is an it's funny it's almost like the way we were talking about for some weird reason the broken bells album despite having like a lot of peaks and stuff is is sort of gets old it's this album is almost like the very opposite to me where nothing in particular stands out but it's like like the songs are short and they're punchy you know everything is well arranged and put together she has a very lovely voice um it's just so earnest like it's she doesn't have a great singing voice but she really sings she uses what she has to her best of abilities and it's and it's i don't mean adorable in a patronizing way i mean it like in a literal way like it's like her her voice is adorable so 
there's just some quality about this album that's um really easy to put on and really easy to listen to and just kind of have uh in the background as, as a vibe um i enjoyed it then i enjoyed it revisiting it now it's not something i would listen to all the time but um it's a nice nice retro uh look so um brandon i think you you maybe have a little more to say about this one than i do so so please take it away um uh, we'll see if it's if i have anything more deep to say about it um i'll say so this is their second album obviously it's called volume two um volume one was kind of a personal revelation for me um because as likable as zoe deschanel always has been um i didn't at the time have interest in checking out her music. Um, but then I heard her heard a track on a compilation that the label put out. Um, and I was just hooked from there, I got the album, I enjoyed that, but figured I had scratched that particular itch of like, poppy kind of girl groupy music. Um, so then what's the point of having a volume two? But that's a mistake I had made before, like when I was first getting into punk rock and listening mostly to ska, I was like, oh, I'll just get like one pure punk album. And then I, you know, that's all I need for that. And just for when I want to listen to punk, I'll listen to that. Similarly, it's like more is always more. Um, and I think I do like volume two a little bit more than I liked volume one. Um, there's not a ton of evolution going on between the two. Um, they might have, they kind of developed a little more, I'd say, with a single they put out after this album where they covered I Put a Spell on You. Um, that kind of pushed Zoe into a new wish kind of style of singing while still retaining everything that is enjoyable about her laid back sound um so it's just yeah lovely catchy sunny feel good tunes one after another um lots of them are just nice some of them are sassy like the song gonna get along without you now um and there's not a whole lot to say about this um i just keep enjoying more um I I guess since you asked about era, I'd almost I hate to use the word timeless, but it's like it fits into what you know the American songbook type music. And there are a lot of covers. There they've always done a lot of covers, and then they just like weave in originals that sound like they could be covers from whatever time in the twentieth century, be it fifties, sixties. 40s whatever um and i haven't been away from this or any she and him for a long time because um we i put like their whole discography on my playlist that we have for my toddler son and because it's something that we all can agree on my wife is really into she and him i enjoy it and it's family friendly, so we're gonna assume he enjoys it as well. Um, yeah, it's 
I and so one of the songs off of this album came up today when we were listening to that playlist. And even though I just listened to that album, I was, I couldn't have told you if it had come from volume two or volume one. I was like, oh, I think this is volume one. That sounds more like that sound. And then it was off of volume two. I'm like, oh, never mind. So just their whole catalog is fun, enjoyable, but not like super, I don't know, doesn't, nothing sticks out that much. Yeah, but I think, nice. I, yeah, it's funny that you said that. I think that's exactly what the genre is, is like great American songbook. Like they, they all do sound like standards, the songs that they sing, the songs they write, the way they write them. There's no really wasted time on anything. You know, I mean, it's all just like punchy, really tight songs um throughout so yeah that's great and it is it, it's good toddler music i mean again in a very complimentary way like it's you're raising your kid up right if uh if spencer's listening to uh listening to this so good stuff buddy um we're gonna move on to um another female artist here um someone who is just in my estimation i think one of the most compelling artists of the last 25 years. Um, someone who's had a huge influence on, on my style and just my personality, frankly. I think she's kind of um, got everything. I, I just love the shit out of her. Talking about Erica Badu, her album, um, New America Part Two, Return of the Ankh. So this was um, released March 30th. 2010 and she had um it was kind of like a sequel to her 2008 album she had recorded like 75 songs to be split over three records she she didn't really ever release the third part of this um but uh this this kind of is a good compliment with her last album before um new america part one fourth world war um so this album, it finds her kind of with some people she's worked with before and some people she hadn't worked with. Um, Ninth Wonder, specifically, I don't believe she'd collaborate with him um, prior to this, and he's on her opening track, 20 Feet Tall. But um, Jay Dilla gets a production credit, our guy, on Love, um, Mad Lib on a couple songs, she works with Kareem Riggins as well, James Poyser uh, of The Roots or formerly of The Roots. Um, this is such a good album to me, Brandon. This was like, man, it's one of them that like, I I feel like every time I go back and listen to an Erica Badu album, I'm like, it's like when you eat a salad and you're like, kind of like, I guess I need to have a salad because I haven't had salad. And you eat a salad and you're like, oh my God, like, salad it's fucking so good like i <laughs> i feel that way when i listen to erica's music she's just such a, a soulful spirit such an incredible voice and she has such personality in everything she does and such great humor i think that's the really the big thing that in so many ways like it's just so overlooked she is such a funny ass person and her music has all of it is like going back to her first album. She does sincere and funny 
um, and just like she can rub those two things together like very few artists and and it's amazing this album is funky as shit um a lot of different samples or kind of in, interpolations um sort of even covers kind of on on different types of songs from the sort of soul songbook um there's always uh somewhat of a psychedelic element and uh, certainly uh strong musical element to i think her best work and certainly is apparent here um yeah i don't know maybe it's because the title is so weird and you know and all that but i feel like this is a very overlooked gem and um just really was definitely the pleasant surprise for me of the month even though i i sort of knew this album before it's just been a while um loved it love erica you're you're the greatest i mean really like we love you erica um well i'll i'll say i love you erica brandon might hate you probably not i hope not <laughs> what are your thoughts brandon yeah it's weird um so i did i like this a lot i had a weird idea in my head where erica badu it might have been like production of some random songs I'd heard before, but it's like, oh, kind of monotonous, but that does not seem accurate at all. Um, like, I don't know, I like, I kind, it's kind of that thing you said about salad, like, yeah, I should probably know salad. And then it's like, this is really good. Um, so yeah, whatever that, assumption I had in my head was clearly based on nothing at all because um, this was really engaging and really fun and just funky. Um, I didn't have time to listen to this as many times as I would want to be able to speak particularly deeply about it. Um, I, I don't know what to say about it. Um, I had a thought listening to the opening song, 20 Feet Tall, like how it kind of took that weird, and I don't know if she even knew or cared about the Doors song where he's like, make me a woman, make her 10 feet tall or 20 feet tall. It's like kind of misogynistic and she like takes it and takes that idea and flips it around and it's a really cool song. Um, that's the only real specific thing I have to say about this. Um, it's just great. Um, I need to spend more time with it. That's about all. Yeah, I think to that point, like, her feminine power is just like, I mean, she's like, just like a goddess level of just like, sending that like, you know what I mean? That like powerful female energy. I mean, it's just absolutely men i mean it, it's kind of like fiona apple whose album just came out in quarantine here i think is almost her closest analog in some respects where it's just like you are so sharp and funny and just jarringly and this is a weird thing and it's like it's i i don't i say this as a man and it's like hard for guys to talk about this or at least it is for me 
but it's like it's such a powerful feminine energy that it just crushes like crushes men the way that like you look at a guy like the rock as a dude and you're like this <laughs> this is like a guy that would just destroy and has just like this you know this like manly power about him it's like Erica Badu is like, it's like the female version of that, where it's just like, I am rolling over you. I am fucking crushing you in my wake. It is that powerful. And again, I, I, man, I, I hope that doesn't come off as weird or sexist at all. I, I mean it with the highest level of respect and, you know, she would fucking, she destroys me. Like I'm among those that have been just run over by her tank she is a phenomenal in concert if you've never seen him probably yeah i would actually say without equivocation like top five stage banter artist that i've ever seen she's so good at the stage banter and again just hilarious on stage so good and then just her voice is fucking pure man like i mean it's just she's the whole package and god bless you erica we love you um two more albums man this because this is such a busy month um this next one i have to say brandon i'm very very excited to hear you talk about this this was a record that i had really a lot of people i think you in particular had uh been like you need to listen to these guys check this out and i certainly remember you putting um the i believe the opening song on a mix cd um i think best of the year mix cd um and and i certainly enjoyed that song and had probably listened to this album maybe you know once or twice before but it's been a long time um titus andronicus the monitor um tell us about this album bro oh where to begin um it is my first note it is something this is something it is it is a really big album, but it's a really personal album. Um, it's a really honest album, but it's so thoroughly constructed. And the songs are just epic song after epic song. There's like seven minutes and like a little two minute interlude, five minutes, five minutes, eight and a half, eight and a half. And it just, but not a wasted note. Um, you would think something like this would be an exhausting listen, um, but it's just exhilarating. It just pumps me up beyond like pretty much most music I listen to. Um, so this was the first time I, th this album was the first one I ever heard by Titus Andronicus. Um, there was a lot of talk on some forums I'm on. I think around June when people were talking them up, when they were talking about the best albums of the first half of the year or whatever. Um, and so I checked it out, not really knowing what I was getting into. And it was so refreshing to have it be like real, just balls to the wall rock music. When I was expecting whatever you would call indie rock of 2010 of for like, whatever that sound is. Um, maybe one of those albums we skipped talking about. <laughs> um, and then it's just, without like spending an hour talking about this, it's just 
one of those albums that I can put on and it just immediately puts me into this place. Um, and I will mention like vocally, there's a lot of awesomely imperfect vocals in it where they're just singing off key and they don't care. It just works because it's so honest. It's like, um, I remember back in the early 2000s when I first heard Bright Eyes um, and I kind of had a thing against them because it was just so whiny or whatever, but um, I really liked the album, the band Desta Paracitos, which is Car Connor Oberst's like punk side project because it, because those kind of vocals really work for me when there's like distortion and noise to back it up. And um, that's what Titus Andronicus is to the nth power because it's just, it's all these epic songs and it's, um, I guess I didn't mention, it's a concept album about the Civil War and it's really about like lead singer Patrick Stickles' personal Civil War, personal struggles. It's a, I already said it was a very personal album, but that's what it is. Um, it opens with um, a quote from an Abraham Lincoln speech, which I think like even right now, we're kind of seeing it play out where he talks about, oh, no one can destroy America from the outside. If our country goes down, it dies by suicide. And we're seeing that in our current situation where we could figure this out and help each other out and make it work, but everyone's too stubborn and working against each other and it is going to cause a lot of issues here um and then you just take that quote to a personal level and it is you know it's pretty hard but um it's just you can't destroy me but i need to watch out for myself sort of situation um but I'm really curious to think what you have to say about this album. Well, it's funny because um, I would not have, I mean, I, I guess, you know, like you sort of look at lyrics as being metaphorical to some degree, but I, I had no idea it was sort of um, an extended metaphor uh, for his own personal, you know, demons and in his fight against himself. I, I kind of took it as, being very literal almost as, as far as the civil war there's this sort of um he records his voices like giving speeches like right i mean it is him right that's not like uh or is that someone else i don't, I don't know oh, i couldn't tell you there's kind of yeah there's sort of a narration that runs through the album um it sounds like it's being played back on one of those old-timey you know victrola records um so there's a real aesthetic that that kind of like conceptually keeps the album together which i actually really like because i think a lot of quote-unquote concept albums kind of feel loose and you know not very clearly defined and this album very clearly has a like a a, a line that runs through it, almost like um, to the degree it's like a movie um that that's one thing that i think really st stood out to me about this record is um 
you talk about cohesive, you know, we've used that word a few times with different records. Like this is like, this is really cohesive. And it's one of those albums that, and I, I really, I literally was talking about this record with another one of my friends earlier today that I have so much respect for bands that really swing for the front fences, you know, and rather than just kind of being like, Oh, you know, these were the, you know, 10 songs that we wrote in the studio. Most recently it's like, they're like, we're going to build an album that has a whole experience around it. That has a whole narrative through line almost. And, um, you know, and, and kind of, um, is just extremely ambitious. You know, this album is hugely ambitious. Like it's a sort of, I would describe it again as someone that who's not probably as um, fluent in the vocabulary of punk as you are, but like, like sort of punk rock meets Bruce Springsteen. Um, ton of piano on this album. I know the Hold Steady, um, I'm not sure like who in the band if it was Craig Finn or if it was other people that are on this album, but there's a bunch of different people. Y Oaks on this album, um, Feliz Brothers, Vivian Girls. Um, so there's there's just a bunch of, um, uh, you know, other contemporary bands, but also sort of allusions to um, the New Jersey roots of, of the group. Um, Springsteen is a clear point of reference in lyrics and um, musically as well, I think. Um, really really impressed by this record um you know i think the it also builds to just an incredible climax the last song is 14 minutes long um and it and it feels like in the same way you know it's truly is like the a movie builds to a climax like the album builds to the climactic finale it's a um I guess specifically about the the monitor, which was a ship, a, a battleship of uh, the Civil War, um, and the last song sort of is specifically in reference to the battle that it was involved in. But um, yeah, I I really um, again I don't have a ton of vocabulary to describe this album like you do, but um, very impressed by by this one and kind of the way that it's like punk pushing out of its it's punk rock spirit and it's an amalgamation of stuff it's like not necessarily something you've never heard before but it pulls in enough different stuff of things that you know and mixes them together in a bowl in a dish that's like amazing so um props to titus andronicus for this one Hell of a swing. Um, and then, you know, the I think the last album I'm going to talk about now, um, these guys, who you also turned me on to back in the day, although I never I never got too into them, um, but I certainly hadn't heard of them until you introduced me, kind of seemed maybe of like a, the type of um, forward-thinking punk group that would be a precursor to these guys. Why don't you tell us... Uh, who I'm talking about here, Brandon? You are talking about Ted Leo and the Pharmacists and their most recent album, if you can believe it, The Brutalist Bricks. So Ted Leo, um, he's been in the punk scene for a long time. Um, and 
weirdly enough, this is the last album, most recent album with the pharmacist. There hasn't been a breakup or anything. He put out a solo album and also a project with Amy Mann in the time since then. But um, I and probably lots of people prefer him in the pharmacist. Um, I personally was a little late to the Ted Leo party, so um, I didn't start faithfully getting his new albums until his previous one, which I don't think I wrote down. Um, it was Living with the Living is a really good album of, I want to say 2007, but I could be wrong. Because um, yeah, for some reason during my peak punk years, even though a lot of my friends were into him, um, I just couldn't really get into it. Um, it's just being in a, in a different headspace. It's like how it took me so long to get into the liars, but um, it, yeah. What else was I gonna say? <laughs> um, so Ted Leo just has a knack for hooks. Um, and melody and lyrics that really work with the style of eclectic punk that he specializes in. Um, he has a lot of really good drinking songs and I kind of like his really weird um, left field kind of songs that he puts on these albums like Bottled in Cork on this one. Um, one, Polaroid a do one Polaroid a Day. It's um, he's just a really thoughtful person, um, lyricist, uh, and also just person. Um, he kind of has this reputation. I feel like he has this reputation in the punk scene as just a really genuine good guy, smart and compassionate. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, I just realized I had to make sure I was still following him on Twitter because he kind of stopped posting so much lately, but he is a very thoughtful person that is worth listening to um, what he has to say. He also has some really good faster songs that point more toward the punk spirit of where he comes from and where I come from, like um, the Where Was My Brain is the name of that song. Anyway, I kind of think of him as the more um, underground punk rock Elvis Costello, just in his style of lyrics and melody. And it's just someone I admire. Um, yeah, really good. I hope there's another Pharmacist album coming out because I quite enjoy those. Do you have any thoughts? You know, it's funny because I I'd never listened to this album and you know we put together the playlist which you can obviously check out. We always keep the link in the notes. That's that's an important part of the podcast. You can listen to everything we've talked uh talked about of course. So um we have a handy playlist for you guys to check out. And I actually felt like the Titus Andronicus into this was a really good flow. Um, 
obviously by coincidence, but like they, they seemed a little birds of a feather to me because there's definitely that spirit of punk rock and that, um, that kind of that ethos that you were referring to in terms of sort of personality and, and like a conscious, um, you know, consciousness about what they're doing, a thoughtfulness about politics and, and life in general. Um, but there's also, you know, in a lot of ways, punk in my mind, at least being a 90s skate punk person for the most part, there's like kind of a rigidity to the form that's sort of like limiting to some degree. And like Ted Leo just doesn't have any limits. Like he doesn't, you know, throw in keyboards, he'll do, you know, whatever kind of style they want to do um, that I really respected. So it's weird because it's almost like this album feels because of that, like a complimentary piece to the Titus Andronicus to me. Um, so it's sort of like, it's all kind of mashed up together a little bit in my mind, but um, yeah, I think, what was the, what was the video, Brandon, with the, um, the like hand puppet that goes everywhere? That was, cause we used to play that video back at, uh, back at our old job. Um, and so that was that was the really the Ted Leo song that I knew. I don't, I can't even remember when that was from. It's probably 2005 or something like that. But um, it was sort of my only reference point um, before this. And um, as you said, like very catchy in a lot of ways, but also knows when to get a little weird and and have fun with that. And uh, so yeah, good balance of of uh, a lot of different things. And and yeah, really enjoyed this record too. So um good stuff i guess like this this month was it's good too because like some months i feel like there's good albums from this genre but not this genre there's like some of this but not that like this month had like kind of a little bit of everything and that's gonna make it really hard to pick our top three top three our final segment it's time for the top three top three this is the final segment of our show in which we pick our top three albums and our top three songs on each album. Uh, but we don't talk about it in advance. We just kind of surprise each other and, uh, and discuss what we like about our different albums that are our favorites. So this is a fun part of the show and I'll get it kicked off. Um, I think it's obviously pretty clear. One of my top three albums of the month um, actually, I think, you know, I've said a lot already, uh, but I think I said it was maybe one of the influential albums of the decade, and that would make Gorilla's Plastic Beach on my top three list. Brandon, I'm assuming this one is on your top three as well, because it's one of the best albums. Of the yeah, it was, it was a no-brainer. No-brainer. Um, and I would also assume that Melancholy Hill would be a no-brainer for a top three on the album. Oh, you found one of my choices. There we go. Good, I mean, good, good detective work. Like, it's I I guess a little bit, but like also, fuck that song. My God, if you just want to listen to a song that's beautiful and devastating at the same time, like it's it's the perfect sad, happy song. It's like sad and happy once. I don't know if it's sad or happy. The feeling that I feel is so, it's that weird emotion that only music can take you like that because there's no quite 
there's no possible way to verbalize the specific emotion that it makes me feel when I hear that song. It is fucking perfect. Love it. Um, the next couple, I think, may I may be on my own. Um, Maybe. Broken is, to me, I the drums slap on that song. The melody is haunting. Um, the organ and, again, the idea, too, that it's it's broken like it's this one isn't really happy (laughs) it's more just kind of sad but it's also not totally sad because again the drums just slap um it's melancholy exactly exactly um was that did that make your top three broken no all right give me give me give me what one of yours one of mine that i'm guessing is not on your list the other one we'll see um, I went with Glitter Freeze. Oh, shit. It's the... And it might just be, like... Well, I loved this song before I, like... We got into our current Marky Smith, The Fall sort of obsession that our podcast is entering as we yep. go on. Yep. Um, our recent appreciation. But it's just, like... It's the really simple beat. It's it's pretty much just an intram- instrumental song. And it goes on for four minutes, but it just builds and it drills into your head. I don't know why. It's just like, I just want to keep listening to it. I wish it would keep building for another four minutes, you know? You know, <laughs> interesting. Um that would definitely not i mean that was definitely not on my list and honestly that is i mean what i appreciate about this album is that even the songs that i don't like as much make sense in the context of the album's flow like the like i actually kind of you know the the slow introductions and stuff within the song with snoop dogg this is cool but it's it's mood setting it's all mood setting you know um and that song in particular is another kind of like a mood setter, but uh, but also I respect it because what's fun about music is everybody has their own favorite jams on the album. So, um, you know, the last one was really tough for me, Brandon. I was very like Stylo is obviously. I mean, come on, fucking Stylo, man! Like, you did you pick Stylo? No. Okay, you did not pick Stylo. Okay. I'm just waiting for you to say the same one. Not that it's a Yahtzee, because we already missed We missed one. our Yahtzee. We've still never had a Yahtzee on the show, which is where we agree on our top three. I don't know how you can't pick my pick, but I'm gonna, well, I'll let you go. Okay. Um, Rhinestone Eyes, I'm just going to say. I'm going to blurt it out. Um, uh, so this is, this is actually where I do believe the album kind of begins in earnest. Um, I mean, it... it, it it, it gets going a little bit um, with white flag, I think, but like, this is, this is where to me, I, I love Damon Albarn singing and the effects that he uses on the voice, like 2d, I guess you would say the front man of the gorillas. Um, this is a great, this is maybe the best 2d. Um, I don't know. Just, one of the perfect example of what I love of that style of singing. And I love the way that it builds with the, the like kind of scronky noises, it, again, very synthesizer heavy. And then when, when it drops, it's just, 
knock your head like let's go like here we go again it's just just good stuff um sorry stylo that was really close and i love it i mean all god empire ants start slow but then just the the break so much good stuff oh man i mean plastic beach too um but yep all right brandon i'm curious what you got buddy that's just weird. Although I will say I have a little heart next to rhinestone eyes. So you good go. on you there. Um, I'm really surprised you, you haven't even mentioned this in your passing, but super fast jellyfish, man. It's the day lost song. It's, I can't even, I don't even have a lot to say about it. It's just <laughs> impossibly catchy and silly, but it's so great. It's, Gorillas and Dela, man. Yes, they. This is a magical combination, uh, and has been for some time. Uh, obviously, you know, they're the probably the signature gorilla song. Really, is Feel Good Ink at this point. I don't know. It's got yeah, be. um, and that's the, the Dela feature. I love it. I love Super Fast Jellyfish. It's great. The hook is super fun too. There's they're rapping about cereal. Like it has like a like a fun fun vibe to it yeah um that's what was hard about this one was like even really you know we both agree melancholy hill man i mean come on oh yeah but, um but after that it's like it's it's a really it's tough to pick they all have different vibes they all have good feelings and, and maybe even depend on the day you ask me i'll tell you something else but today today was rhinestone eyes was my last one so all right um so i think Again, it's pretty clear one of your albums of the month. So, so why don't we dive in on that one? Should tell us about it. All right. I assume you're referring to the Monitor. The Monitor by a certain Titus Andronicus, a certain Shakespearean play. Um, let me just say, it was as hard as it is to pick three albums for the month. It was really painful to narrow down to three tracks on this album dude it's th this is like it's cr it's cruel it's like cruel and difficult to yeah, do yeah you don't pick it apart you listen to it i love this whole album so much i ended up just picking three that i could just have like come at from different directions talk about differently and distinctly but Seriously, listen to this whole album, have a drink or three, and just listen to it on some evening when you have the time to devote, like, whatever it is, 70 minutes or so to it, because it deserves it. It's something you just want to sit down front to back. Okay, three tracks. Thoughts about those tracks. Um, first off. No Future Part 3, Escape from No Future. So they had this ongoing series of No Future songs for a while there, like that lasted for a few albums. Um, and just the whole concept of No Future is a throwback to the early punk rock of Stooges and Sex Pistols and all that. Um, so one of the more recent times in my life that I've jumped into a pit was at a Titus Andronicus show when they played No Future Part 3, Escape from No Future. Um, it's just wow. that coda 
of you will always be a loser. It's like the most, the cruelest thing you can say, but it's kind of empowering or at least in its own way, liberating. Like, okay, I'll always be a loser, but that means I can just do this and not worry about whatever ambitions of the future there are. It is, and then this most recent time, it was kind of almost felt like an attack on me when I listened to you will always be a loser repeatedly, but it, it's just powerful and I don't know what to say. There's, there is no escape from no future, you know? You will always be a loser. There's great album titles, uh, or I'm sorry, song titles throughout this album. Um, And that might be the best. I also like theme from Cheers because it's not the theme from Cheers, it turns out. (laughs) It's totally different. Everybody knows your name. It's a song called theme from Cheers. Yeah. So, it's just a song about drinking too much or whatever. But there you go. That was so when I was narrowing this down, I had no future slash I don't remember probably Tadis Andronicus Forever. Like these are the punk songs that are like not necessarily shorter, but that will really get you amped. Then I had theme from Cheers and also what I picked, which was two old friends and new in a category for choice number two. And it's kind of what I would say an off ball kind of choice for something to pick because I don't know. I mean, it's certainly, if you've been on Twitter lately, they're talking about like, oh, name five perfect movies name five perfect songs on this album this is not a perfect song it's endearing in that it's um just really comforting to me there's a lot of off-key singing but that like brings it in from being a preachy song to like uh, we're in this together we're friends an anthem for what we would call quote unquote these uncertain times um it's all right the way that you live it's all right just to say it's all right that's what it is it's like it just makes me feel so good to have to hear someone sing in their off-key vocals that it's all right the things that you do it's all right you know it's it's just a nice blanket and it's a weird song to pick, but it I have so much love for it, and I had to pick it. Let's go. And then finally, I could not not pick this song, but I will say Four Score and Seven or Richard the Second or Mer Perfect Union would say would say kind of the same thing. It's a really good album with lots of epic tracks, but the most epic of all is clearly the 14-minute song, The Closer, The Battle of Hampton Roads. Battle of Hampton Roads, got to be on there. Yeah, so when I was, when you talk no-brainers, like you can't not pick this. It was this song I put on my 
playlist for top songs of the decade. And that was no question either. It is of one the of those decade. Things. Like clearly it was the easiest choice. One of the easiest choices. There were lots, there were several easy choices, but it's like when you narrow things down, you're definitely working around these because it is its own thing. This is just epic. I do not use that word lightly. I hate when people use that word lightly, but this song is epic. It's a 14 minute journey with tons of lyrical truisms that are just painful to listen to in the best possible way where you want to scream until your throat is raw as you sing along. It's particularly in the extended first movement of the 14 minute songs, but it is um, 14 perfect minutes. The middle movement is a great transition that takes you to an epic finale of rocking out for the rest of the album, since obviously it is the closer and it just takes you through it and it is a ride. It doesn't feel like a 14 minute ride. It feels like it's over too fast. Battle of Hampton Roads, I've, when I see them live, it's a song I hope I hear and it's happened a few times and it is wonderful. And this album is one of the best. So check it out, enjoy yourself. Let's fucking yeah. go. I love it. Love it. Um, I think it's pretty clear at this point. I, I couldn't include it in my top three, top three, because I just like, I just got into it. I just listened to it. It's sort of hard to be like, I mean, some of the, some of what's fun about doing this podcast is like, Oh shit. I immediately love that album now, but I can't, I can't possibly speak to this album to to the level that you do and as much as it it is a definitely immediately i can tell it's a great album i'm gonna listen to more um you know it's like it's sort of hard for me to pick from that so um got to kind of speak on stuff that touched me a little more and as we discussed earlier uh broken bells would be my next pick and i, I gotta think that that's on yours as well um correct sir all right so that's your I last pick not, not. it's another yeah. one i could not not yeah it's it's like like we were saying the highs are so high so for me i mean the first one i'm gonna go with um ghost inside so i have a big i love dude singing falsetto like big falsetto fan james mercer's got a surprisingly surprisingly nice falsetto um and it and the bass line's great on this the beats just awesome the video was cool with christina Hendricks. um it's great and i don't know to me that's this may be my favorite song on the album how to pick it what did you got do you have that one i did not have that one okay all right what do you uh, what, what's your first pick it was a hard as I said, I love a lot of songs, For more sure. than three songs. <clears throat> the first pick that another no-brainer, I'm pretty sure I put this on my decade list as well, is The High Road, the opening track. It 
is another similar to um, Matthias Andronicus to Old Friends Anew. It just always makes me feel good, even if it's not positive. Like the line is too late to change your mind is one of my favorite things in recent, I say recent, referring to the last 15 years or so, <laughs> recent things in music. Um, it's just another case of comfort and helplessness. Um, and this is not a bad album for feeling bad for, your, bad for yourself. It's too late to change your mind, man. But the, And the high road is hard to find. And it's just got all those little lyrical gems. And it's also just the overall feel. It kicks off the album. And I don't know if they reach this high of a road on the rest of the album, personally. Hey. Just a gorgeous song that I have a hard time really verbalizing why it's so gorgeous but you know when you got James Mercer harmonizing with himself and singing over himself it's always nice goddamn right it is um I did not put the high road on my list Uh, that feels really kind of weird to say and I would definitely agree with you I think this is their signature song and I think in a lot of ways it is maybe their peak song overall. Um, I think I've just like listened to it so many times. It's literally just a case of like, like there's like listening back to this album. I was like, oh yeah, like these deeper cuts I like a little more. Um, That's fair. Yeah, it's but man, again, we it's it's Sophie's choice with all these albums here, you know, just knocking off all of our things we love. Um, I picked this one because I feel like it's it's maybe the shinziest of all the songs on the record. Um, Vaporize, was that on, is that your last pick? I, I hope it was, or maybe not, okay. Um, so Vaporize to me, uh, just again, great, uh, great James Mercer songwriting. Um, I think there's a little less of um, Danger Mouse's style on this one, a little more traditional Shinzi type song. I could hear this song in a Shins concert, whereas I probably couldn't hear him singing the Ghost Inside a Shins concert. Um, that being said, um, again, just I think the one-two punch of the high road into Vaporize is a really fucking powerful kickoff for the for the album, you know, um, and you know, it was tough, as you said, to choose, but but I went with that one. So I'm curious, what's your what's your last one on on this record? This is actually my second one of three. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, my bad. You didn't. Yeah, you didn't choose. Yeah, okay. But um, my second choice, uh, my comment <laughs> was also that it sounds like a great Shin song. It was October. <clears throat> And I think the main thing for me is that it just sounds like a great Shin song. <laughs> the backing vocals and the kind of analog sound to it is just a really catchy thing. So I don't know. Maybe we should hear Shin's recordings of both those songs and decide which is more natural as the great Shin song of Broken Bells. Have a Shin's off. Yeah. 
So October is the choice. Okay. Uh, All right. Just get into my third choice now. Well, I did I already choose? I didn't choose three. Did you put? No, I. No, not yet. Did no. I start? I don't know. No, I started. Oh, you did. So, yep. Yeah, I did high and road. I, you did vaporize. I got a good feeling about this one. I think we are like we've been. I hit something, but I don't know. I had a hard time, so yeah. Just, um you described this album as beautiful earlier uh i don't think it gets much more beautiful than this one um for me you know i was talking about sort of danger mouse's evolution as a producer throughout the decade and i think one of the ways that he really just has become incredible frankly is with his orchestrations and his string stuff and and kind of making that's uh, like the sort of instrumental deep vibes. Um, Sailing to nowhere to me is that that is that vibe where it's like, the, especially the second half where there's the strings and the and the theme of the song itself as uh, uh, you know spreading disease on a on a ship. Maybe that resonated a little bit right now too. Um, you know, uh, actually that that isn't so much the case because i loved that song before and i think this this one made my top would have made my top three top three like it was it was difficult but this this one wasn't super difficult for me love it beautiful song beautiful core orchestration and production what's your last pick Brandon? so it's kind of funny my first pick was the opening track my second pick was well it was toward the end, not in the middle, I guess. And my last pick is a closing track, <laughs> "The Mall in Misery." Um, it it's just so it has a really cool has really cool like analog bookends to the meat of the song. That's got a really good beat and like a driving guitar. I just really like the structure and um and that main meat part is just a really beautiful but also i guess a really good combination of james mercer and danger mouse with its kind of more as i said driving beat and some backing guitars that keep that are more of an analog sound fitting into that I don't, it's just uh, a really cool song. I don't, I'm really not good at talking about this, I guess, but it's a good song. It's a really good song. Yeah, you should check it out. I, I heard it. Yeah, check it out. Um, you know what, you know what just happened, Brandon? So we hit, it. it's, we got to define what it's called, the reverse Yahtzee, which also happened i believe when we discussed um modest mouse um and their album in 2000 um, like a negative yahtzee it's a negative yahtzee it's a, it's an inverse yahtzee and it, and i actually think that in a lot of respects inverse yahtzees speak higher of the album than a yahtzee would because um it's like there's like 12 songs on broken bells 
and and we we went through half the album and we didn't have one overlap of favorite songs i mean that's that's over half it was 10 songs so. 10 song i mean this, that like that's that speaks to over the half the album is the favorites of exactly the then again crew so there you go it's good through the whole last drop um so that i guess that touches on all three of your records i've got one more left myself this was a difficult decision there's some good hip-hop um there's you know obviously the types and dronicus i mentioned why i didn't select that one um but ultimately i gotta go with my girl erica badu um pretty clearly i mean she's just phenomenal and this album like i said was very fun to revisit for me so it's funny because i i didn't really like i looked up you know some of the details about the album and the different producers but i kind of forgot like who did what and it's honestly not really clear which again speaks to her um creative direction and you know the like capacity to sort of guide where they're going into her vision because you can't really tell who does what like you can on on some people's records um so the the songs i picked were not like i normally you would think i would gravitate towards mad lib <clears throat> you know me or some of those i did not have any of the mad lib ones on there window seat was number one for me um or at least the first so um i kind of had forgotten about the video which i rewatched because it was controversial is um well just watch it because uh, it's it's really something and uh it gets into a lot of different things jfk assassination amongst others um and that's it but the song itself has just separate from the video which i don't think actually really suits the music itself um just such a great groove and like her vocal on there is great and like her metaphor is great about the window seat um the second song that I picked was um, Gone Baby Don't Be Long. So um, this is a, a riff on a Paul McCartney actually gets a songwriting credit on this one. Um, I think from a Wings track. Um, again, this album plays with a lot of like stuff that's been done before, but she kind of puts it in her, her own style. And this is one of those, but um, just a supreme groove on this record. I mean, there's really um, just, I don't know, like the uh, the bass, the way it just kind of rolls, just incredible. Um, I don't know. It, it's Again, this was another one where this the whole album was good, so it was difficult to sort of, there's not really, I think Window Seat was the single on this album, but there wasn't really, she's not really a singles artist. Um actually uh, ironically um yeah i just looked it up that window seat was the first single she'd had two other singles um gone baby don't be long was the last of the three and the middle of them was turn me away get money which is also my uh third jam on the album so i guess i liked all the singles um i think obviously for hip-hop fans when you hear this one you you think of the uh notorious big and i think junior mafia um track uh and the beat and it's kind of more of a cover um sylvia stripling 
uh, was the original artist, Roy Ayers, I think wrote, wrote the song. Um, fucking great, great vibe. I mean, great, like great baseline. I mean, like that's just a, such a classic, uh, classic sample in hip hop history and her particular riff on it. Like that's the thing about her. She can take things that we've all heard a uh, hundred times and she knows it and it's part of the culture and she's, she puts her own twist on it and it's like this incredible homage and kind of celebration and this this one i don't know it's up there with her my favorite like cover type things she's done so um so great job erica badu on this album i think this is really probably her most overlooked album i don't know she's and it's also kind of her last actual album too i mean honestly she she had that um but you can't use my phone project that came out in 2015 and that's kind of been it. So, um, yeah, excited to hear new stuff, hopefully from Erica soon. And we love you. Good stuff. So, uh, so we did it, Brandon, we made it baby. All right. All the way through March, all the way through March. We're March alone. You can leave March alone. It was, uh, boy, if again, if looking back on, because now we're about a month behind on our podcast, yeah, uh, we're unforeseen circumstances. But it's like, what if you had told twenty, thirty, even ten years ago, Brandon, that guess what's going to happen next March? <laughs> You'll never believe it. You'll never believe it. Here uh, we are. Would have been would have been hard to believe, and here we are. But we're we're doing okay. We're getting through it. And uh, we hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. We we're just getting our feet wet. We're starting to starting to get our groove a little bit. So we appreciate yeah, you sticking we'll with us. Get there. Shout I'll try out. to have fewer unworded thoughts on things. We've made it through one quarter of what would be our first season, Brandon. With the end of this episode, we've done what would be or what will be. Will be. Yeah. I mean. What what? It's not a theoretical thing. Not a theoretical. This is our, this is our cast. This is it, baby. So um, so we made it. We've got nine episodes in the book, and we hope that our listeners have enjoyed it. Shouts across the world to um, our audience. Just I'm gonna look it up just real quick here. Shouts to the homies in. It's mostly Americans. So shouts out to the Americans that listen to us, but we got to give shout out to Slovakia. We got to give a shout out to Sweden. We got to give a shout out to Ireland, Japan, UK, wow. and France. What's up y'all? Appreciate y'all listening. Yeah. We're getting all, all over the world, baby. And, uh, we appreciate like all your support. Song. I know we're pimping all over the world, just like ludicrous would say. So, well done on bringing it all back around, Brandon. You're a good man. Love you, buddy. Stay safe. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next month on... Then again. Again. Again.